Hi, this is the Robberator, and you can support my mad grab for power and the Sword and Laser podcast by going to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. I don't know what happened to my voice there. Did you turn into a young Spider-Man? I'm finally 13. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. A uh, young Spider-Man. He's a real Spoilers. man now. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying that's what a young Spider-Man would sound like. Could sound like in some no, fashion. No, no. Yes. Yes. In some fashion. That's all I said. Yeah. Right. That's all you said. What are you drinking? What are you drinking, Tom, board? now that you've hit 21? I, now that I'm old enough to drink. Uh, I'm actually having something that I've been having a lot lately because I'm trying to empty the bottle and it's tasty. Uh, so I'm just having a good old fashioned Jameson's. No Irish car fuse this time. No milky substance in it just jameson's straight old jameson's good i'm what? glad why are, you, why are you cringing your choice your phrasing car, car fuse mm, no no <laughs> milky substance <laughs> you know you know carolyn's is brown you know you know i'm drinking old potrero which is you should also, get some new. I should get some new stuff. New stuff. <laughs> stuff. Why are you drinking the old one? Get some new stuff. What's wrong with you? Old Petrero. That's a local brew. It is. Or it distillation, is. I guess. It is. It's very good, though. Um, I was I was hoping to be better this week because I, you know, it was my best friend's wedding this weekend, so it was a uh, need to detox a little bit. I think. Oh but, yeah. yeah. Weddings. What are you gonna do? It's mm. what you do. Apparently, eat all the food and drink all the things. Yeah, especially if you're married and and you're not there to find yourself a man. Well, don't you drink more woman. when you're there to find yourself a man? Mm, good point. Yeah, I think good my point. most of my married friends I was friends thinking you, like, do, you don't have anything like, else left, so you just drink more. But I guess you just drink equally. Jesus doesn't really matter, Christ, does it? Tom. Oh, you got nothing left. You might as well just drink yourself into oblivion. <laughs> you're married now. Good luck with that. That is not, that is not what I meant. I just meant that... <laughs> Anyway, anyway, I uh, let's I'm not good with words. I shouldn't be in a speaking position. <laughs> the speaking position position. Oh, <laughs> now he said position. Phrasing. Of... All right. All right. Let's jump into Are the quick burns. Phrasing? So let's start off with the sad news. Uh, understandable, but sad news that sfsignal.com is coming to an end. Yeah, I, I saw this from um, on Twitter from I think it, I think it was Tomahome. Um, posted about it and i was i was shocked uh the the post is called all good things of course and in keeping with the sf signal theme also the title of the final star trek the next generation episode um and uh then they follow that up with a quote from bilbo baggins um which is you know not not really sf but you know laser sword yeah um, but they said that it's just uh, it's it's time to to shut this shut the site down. It's it's there's just the blog has grown. Uh, they say the demands for their attention has also grown. They want to spend that time with their families. Um, the reason is boringly simple: yeah. time. As the blog has grown, so is its demands for attention. Time and is hard. I get 
I get that. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's a man, that's a blow. I mean, SF signal is one of our favorite sites. Um, you know, everyone over there has always been a, a supporter of sword and laser and a good friend to the show. And they've just been such a, a boon to the community. Um, and it's, it's, it's sad. I, I'm pretty bummed out about this, but I, I, at the same time, I understand and I want them to be happy and, and do what's right for them. But man, it's, it's, it's hard seeing good sites go. Yeah. I know uh, he he had put in that announcement too that he wanted to keep the archives up as long as possible, but he was he needed help finding a cheap way to host it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I sent him a possible solution, but it sounds like he got better solutions than I came up with because uh, he has an update on the post now. He's got he's got several solutions. Some are very promising. So uh, hopefully the site will stick around. Uh, one of the things I'd mentioned was even archive.org, mm-hmm. just seeing if if they'd be willing to host it uh, because that's their whole point uh, is to save things. But anyway, hopefully SF Signal's archives will stick around. And who knows, uh, maybe at some point they'll find the time, you know, things change, time will free up and, and they'll be able to come back. But until then, here's to SF To Signal. SF Signal. Yay. Live long and prosper. May we meet again. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. On to happier times. Yeah, well, uh, remember that weird Wheel of Time pilot that we talked about? Do I? Yeah, uh, that kind of aired at late night TV, and there was all all this uh, hullabaloo over who owned it and who was supposed to be doing it. Uh, well, there was an announcement published on Google Plus uh, that said <laughs> the following is a press statement. I know, Sorry. I know. The following is a press statement that is improved by the studio involved in contract negotiations. Wanted to share with you exciting news about the Wheel of Time. Legal issues have been resolved. The Wheel of Time will become a cutting-edge TV series. I couldn't be more pleased. Look for the official announcement coming soon from a major studio. Harriet. Yes, that is uh, Harriet McDougall, uh, Robert Jordan's uh, widow, who got into a little bit of legal heat uh, with the company, the production company, Red Eagle Entertainment, who produced the uh, that pilot. And the reason they produced that pilot was because they had, yeah, Tom is doing vigorous air quotes right now, in case you can't I feel it on the show somehow. Um, but they, they had to do it in order to keep hold of the rights. And well, so they... Well, there were some opinions yeah. that that didn't really keep the rights for them either. So. <laughs> Maybe we should click on this uh, follow-up post on io9 called The Real Story About That Wheel of Time pilot that aired last night. And yeah, then we would remember <laughs> exactly what happened. Um, but yeah, I... You know, I I know a lot of you out there are big fans of of, of the Wheel of Time. I, as many of you also know, never finished the series. I, oh, I did. I know I'm a bad. That put painting a target on your back. I'm a bad person for arrows. I'm literally and fireballs. A bad person for not finishing uh, that series. Yeah, well, pretty sure. You know, you're, you're, you're just trying to be honest. Just being honest with you. Yeah, um, but um, I am excited for this. I, I think it's, now is a really great time for epic fantasy on TV. Of course, we've only got a couple more seasons left of Game of Thrones, so there's got to be something to fill that void. Why not Wheel oh of Time? My gosh, why did you have to put it like that? Can you can you like can they add like a lot more sex and violence into Wheel of Time? Can that be like a thing? I don't really <laughs> I don't, remember that I think in the book. Fandom books. might not like that. Mm. I think that might be upsetting. Maybe that's me. why Harriet's okay with it now. She's like, we're gonna add a lot more boobs. Yeah. She's like, oh, okay, I'm just going to be wall to wall naked people, men and women. Yeah. Uh, No, that is not what's going to happen. I think that it hopefully will end up being good hands. 
Now you just got me wondering, like, wait a minute, can we get Dunkin' Egg stories? Can we get some spinoffs? I'm, no, I'm they're not going to do. Else. They're not. They're not interested in spinoffs. They've they've basically uh, come out and said they're not going to do that, at least for a really long time. Jerks. Um, they got other stuff on their mind, but we have some George R. R. Martin news, though. We this do. This will cheer you up. He's commissioned a Trompe-l'œil mural for his Jean Cocteau cinema. I don't know how gorgeous. to say this phrase. Trompe-l'œil. 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 I mean, that's Americanized. Trompe-l'œil. Patrick Beja would look at me and squint and say, that is not really how you say L'œil. Just it's lay. Trompe-l'œil. Trompe-l'œil. In American, it is. Okay. Um, so, yes, uh, there is a gorgeous dragon mural uh, who, that was created by John Pugh, or Pugh, uh, who is an artist. Pugh. <laughs> and uh, this is over at the near the train tracks over in Santa Fe, uh, near the theater that uh, George R. R. Martin owns. And I just think it's pretty cool. It's, it's very pretty. And I would like to go visit it sometime. Well, it's a it's a dragon kind of busting through the wall. It's it's two dragons. See, there's one head on the left, head? and there's the other head on the right in the top corner. Mm. At least two. Yeah, two beautiful blue and red dragons. Very pretty. Anyway, so if you're wondering why we haven't got the next book, Murals. doesn't have anything to do with that. He did. George R. R. Martin commissioned it. He didn't paint it. He wasn't out there spending his time painting it. In that time, he has learned how to paint murals. <laughs> yes. He has gone to school for art. And now he has created this masterpiece. Not sure, uh, but thanks anyway. To, uh, by the way, thanks to Mark for the SF Signal News, Sandra for the Wheel of Time News, and Serendy for the George R. R. Martin News. And now we thank Terp Kristen because she pointed out that Cheap Ass Games is doing a Kickstarter. It's almost over. By the time you listen to this, it might be over. Uh, for the game Tack that they play in... Uh, wise man's fear mm -hmm. and there's a great video on the kickstarter with patrick rothfuss explaining how when he was approached about making tack he said no you can't do it uh and even if you can do it it won't be good and even if it is good no one will play it uh and yet <laughs> well six hundred thousand uh, dollars later <laughs> right exactly uh he he changed his mind mm -hmm. after he was approached uh by james ernst uh saying no this is this is how we're gonna play it and patrick was like oh my gosh you actually did it and now it's been kickstartered they had a goal of fifty thousand dollars. They're at six hundred thirty-eight thousand two hundred thirty-seven. Yeah, I think it's James Ernest, but yeah, it's. Uh, I I'm very curious to see not Ernst, Ernst. I just love. I just you know I'm I'm letting you enjoy correcting I'm, my pronunciation. Can I can I have my moment? Yeah. To to say something Go correctly. Ernest. Soak in it. Ernest. I said very earnestly. And then I made a pun out of his own name. Um, yeah, so so I haven't watched the video yet, actually. I forgot to watch the video, but it looks beautiful. It looks so nice. And I'm, I'm really excited for Pat because it must be really cool to come up with a game and not really, like, I don't know how into it he got in his own mind about how the game works or if he just kind of described the things he would want to happen. There's, there's a little bit, not, he doesn't go into too much detail. Yeah. There's a little bit of that in the video, though. And it's, he didn't give James Ernest much to work with. Right. He was just like, um, there are pieces and they do this. Yeah. And it, and it actually sounds pretty complicated. Like the rules, the strategy that, that Ernest came up with are, are pretty amazing. Um, so yeah, if you're, if you're a games person, check this out for sure, because you can get a lot of stuff for a little amount of money, um, which is pretty great. And I have a feeling this is going to be making a, an appearance probably on tabletop sometime in the near future. Uh, I know they're filming next season, a tabletop like 
this weekend or this coming weekend or something or last weekend. I don't know. Um, I was invited, but I was going to be out of town. Uh, mm. But it's must be nice. Yeah, it, it was. It was nice. Mm-hmm. The last two times I went on were also pretty yeah. nice. Um, mm. But, you know, it's hard being all the way down here in, in San Francisco and, and having to travel all the way to L.A. Too bad they to, can't find anyone local. Yeah, it's kind of weird. You would think they'd be yeah. able to find more people in, mm. in L.A. that could be mm. on the show. There's, I mean, nobody, nobody worthwhile down no. No, yeah, too bad. Anyway, um, but I, I'm sure it'll probably make an appearance at some point because they're all they're all pals with the Rothfinator. The Rothfinator. <laughs> it's Rothfinator. <laughs> yeah. uh, cool stuff. Shall we? Yeah, uh, Anne pointed out Book Riot has compiled a list with 100 must-read sci-fi fantasy novels by female authors. If you ever hear anyone saying. Why aren't there more good sci-fi and fantasy books by female authors? Now you have a link to point them to. Oh my God, there's so many. They did it alphabetically, so it's not like they're picking favorites or anything, but there's a lot of books we've read. There's Oh, see, I just thought Alana the First Adventure was, in fact, the number one did you? novel. No, I didn't. Oh, <laughs> I don't get it. Okay, that anyway, the yeah, joke, there was a... Is that- yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> and it's, uh, it, it's hard to pick, though, because there's so many great authors, and so many of these authors have written multiple series. So if you really get into, like, all of the books in a series, like, they just pick the first book of the series that they liked the best. But if you do, like, I don't know, some of these books have eight or nine yeah. books in the, in the series, and, and then your to-read list is just going to be hundreds of novels long. So... Never complain about not having anything to read. Here's an amazing list, and I, I'm excited to to uh, add to my own uh, red list about it. On the other hand, if you are just looking for a few minutes of entertainment, uh, perhaps that involves George R. R. Martin and J.R.R. Tolkien rapping at each other in a battle, perhaps an epic rap battle of history. Yeah. That exists now. That exists. You can watch that, and it's hilarious. Thank <laughs> you, Tomahome. It. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Uh, yeah, Tomahome also shared that with me, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited that this is out. So go check that out, and let us know. Tweet at us who you think won. Was it George R. R. Martin or J.R.R. R. Tolkien? Which R.R. Mm-hmm. has it? Yeah, I like the bit where J.R.R. Tolkien says that Martin just rips him off, including the two R's. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> Uh, and I, I wasn't sure what they could do with Tolkien. Like they sucked me in and I've seen epic rap battles of history so many times. I know what they do and they still suck me in with Martin throwing down. Like I've got gore. I I've got interesting. You're boring. You're old. I was like, wow, how are they going to, they're like really putting Tolkien in a corner. How's he going to come back? And of course he comes back saying Martin's a hack and ripped off all his ideas from him. There you go. There you go. That's one good way of doing it. So we have the uh, Locus uh, nominees out here for 2016, the Locus Award finalists. Um, So we've got some great books here as well for science fiction novel. These are all, by the way, chosen by a survey of readers in an open online poll uh, that just wrapped up April 15th, ran from February 1st. And uh, The Water Knife by Paolo Bacigalupi, uh, Ancillary Ancillary Mercy, Aurora, our current book pick, uh, Seven Eves, and A Borrowed Man by Gene Wolfe are nominated for science fiction novel. Tom, you want to read the uh, fantasy picks? Whoa, it's Turnabout. You're the sword. Why am I reading the sword books? But it's Karen Memory by Elizabeth Baer. The House of Shattered Wings by Aliette de Bedard, Wilding Hall, Wilding Hall, I know, by Elizabeth Hand, The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemison, one of last month's picks, and Uprooted by Naomi Novik, also a previous pick. I made you read fantasy because they had the hard names. 
Aliette. Aliette. And uh, yeah, so there's a lot of great picks here as well. So if you haven't already oh, added 100 first novel books, too. yeah, first yeah. novel, young adult book, uh, novelette, short story, anthology. Oh, we didn't get. Ken Lu, The Grace of Kings, uh, got nominated for first novel. That's awesome. That's great. Cool stuff. So again, more possible books for you to read. Go look at them. For you to read on. All right. Well, now it is time for Bear Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. And uh, just a little bit of inside baseballery. Uh, Derek from uh, Inkshares, who, of course, wrote the fantastic Asteroid Made of Dragons, um, has written in and said, uh, Afternoon, Tom and Veronica. I know you've already mentioned on the podcast about the first ever Dragon Awards from Dragon Con, but would you mind mentioning that all of the published books from the first mm. Inkshares contest are eligible for that award? Mm, I don't know. Do we mind? I don't know. Do mind I don't mind so much. I mean, um, I don't mind mentioning an unattractive vampire, but Jim McDonnell is is nominated mm-hmm. but do we mind that the life engineered by jf dubow is nominated or that know, ageless by paul inman is nominated oh, right right i mean i definitely do not mind mentioning the practical applications for multiverse theory by nick scott and noah gavin is nominated yeah but what about derek's own book asteroid made of dragons that's do we mind yeah, that yeah that's that's a close call there that's a close mm, call um well, so we'll think about it's it up Derek. to you guys up to you guys. Uh, but he goes on to say, you don't need to buy a DragonCon badge to nominate or vote, and it would be exceptionally cool to see any of us to be nominated, let alone win. Um, we are not going to be at DragonCon, as Derek also mentions, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't nominate. Oh, no, you're, you're giving it, though, no, you have to read his actual words. With horror, I heard your announcement that you would be scared skipping Atlanta this year as I was looking forward to finally seeing your human faces. <laughs> But if one of your books makes a cut, maybe reconsider? Parachute in. That'd be amazing. Right? I don't know. Maybe. Never can tell. You'll have to make sure they get nominated. That's all I'm saying. So, yeah, we're we're very proud of of all these picks and all these authors. So definitely give them a nod, a wink and a nudge, if you will. Nods as good as a wink to a blind bat. Is your wife a goer? (laughs) Does she go? (laughs) (laughs) Know what I mean? No, 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 no. Okay, book of the month discussion. Um, so as we mentioned, the the aforementioned Aurora. I like how your only way of escaping a bad Monty Python <laughs> reference hole is to like, what are next words in rundown? <laughs> Read them now. Yep, yep. <laughs> you like how I didn't even try to do the accent either. I'm just like, is your wife a goer? <laughs> <laughs> For a second, I was like, what are you talking about? You've met Eileen. <laughs> Does she go? <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Anyway, uh, there lies peril. Yes, book of the month discussion. This whiskey is expensive. Can you not? Ah, Can you not? It's finally, it's finally working. Can you not? <laughs> uh, yes, Aurora by Kim Stanley Robinson is our book this month. And uh, Veronica already finished it. No, I didn't. I'm 75% oh, you didn't. now. Okay. You were so far down the road last time we spoke that I kind of assumed you would have finished it, but I'm, I'm also really glad that you haven't. Uh, I'm about 50% through, and I have to say that I got spoiled by doing the preparation on a particular plot point that I won't mention. I'm not going to spoil it. This is a non-spoilery discussion of Aurora today, uh, but the Wikipedia article, be careful, oh. because in the first line of the article, it says, Aurora is a book about 
you know, people on a generation ship, which is yeah, not spoilery. That's what that's, the book that's is about. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what the book is about. Who, and then says something that doesn't happen until a- after halfway through the book. Wow. Okay. I'm, so I I'm think I know what you're talking about. where I can see about. why it's going to happen. Yeah. It's already like the mm-hmm. development is beginning, but I don't know it's going to happen based on the book, but I do because of Wikipedia. Uh, so I thought that was kind of crappy. Wow. But at the same time, it's not the kind of spoiler that ruins the book. Uh, it's the it's the kind of thing that that keeps this book interesting anyway. And Kim Stanley Robinson is just a genius. He 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 has won all the awards. Uh, he has won Nebulas for Red and Blue Mars, mm. I believe. I might be getting that wrong. Maybe one of them is Green Mars. Uh, but he won a Hugo Award. Uh, not for his Mars book, uh, but but he has won a Hugo Award. He's won several Locus Awards. He won a John Campbell Award. He is widely considered to be, you know, the foremost literary hard sci-fi writer of our age. People often can compare him to the the science writers of the golden age of science fiction but much more wide-ranging in his science. And I think that's an interesting Mm. thing to talk about is in that golden age, people spent a lot of time with the physics of combustion and how do we propel the rocket and keep it together. And there is an element of that uh, in his writing and certainly in Aurora, but it's, I would call it biological fiction uh, Mm. because or ecological uh, fiction because he spends so much more time saying like, yeah, we've got engines and we got to keep those running and we got to have fuel. But honestly, those are the easy problems to solve. How do you keep biomes existing and healthy over hundreds of years on this trip. Yeah, I love I love that combination of as you mentioned the kind of ecological aspect of it with the 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 science fictional aspects of space flight and generation ships and terraforming and all that good stuff that we love from traditional hard sci-fi, but combined with all these problems, as you mentioned, of keeping animals alive in space. And what happens when you start getting that that effect of, uh, what do they call it? The island effect? Yeah, the island effect, where where an isolated population right. on an island... There's not enough biodiversity. Starts, and, right. Yeah. Starts to suffer from illnesses and, and mutations, and, and perhaps, uh, I think, it, generally speaking, they get smaller. Yeah, all the weird things that happen when there's a limited gene pool. Um, and there, there are some funny things that I think we kind of take for granted in the book, like the printers, for example. That goes... It's it's explained, but it's kind of there as a a supporting plot device that that you know it, it, when you think about it too hard, you're like that's very convenient, but also pretty necessary to support a lot of the stuff that happens in the book. Um, but I loved I, I loved that, and this is not a spoiler either that that the main character's mother in the book is like the guy on board that takes care of everything. Like she is like boss lady, um, chief engineer. Yeah, yeah, she's not she's not the captain. There's there's no captain per se, but but she's the one that that keeps all the gears running, and it's it's pretty cool. There is, uh, and again, I will I will be not spoilery in saying this. So if it if it's too vague to quite understand, that's why there is a thing that happens around the midpoint of the book, something that is revealed to have happened that I find a little hard to swallow. Oh, I'm so uh, curious what that is. That just the, the idea that you could manipulate even a society as small as theirs, it's still thousands of people to all sort of cooperate on something hmm. like that. 
Okay. Um, that because because I'm willing to say like you know what the tech let's just assume the tech got solved let's assume that huge nuclear explosions that propel your ship are not a problem they figured that out uh, I think that's kind of fun to say yeah that's usually where you'd have your danger and your problems so let's let's write that off let's make the biology let's make the evolution let's make the ecosystem and even the sociology uh, be the the things that cause the problems that need to be solved. And there is one particular sociological event midway through the book uh, that is explained as having happened in the past that I'm like, nah, I don't know, you're stretching me there. Is it is it safe to talk about the primary narrator? Or should we let... I think, you know, no, keep you know, figure that, that out. You, you listen... That does not become apparent until... Maybe ten percent into the okay, book. yeah. So, Let's you guys can discover that on your own. It's pretty. It's pretty fun. Well, and, and, and to distract us from that, uh, it was Green Mars that won the Hugo in 1994. I, I I got that wrong. It was Blind Geometer that won the Nebula in 1988. When I said it wasn't a Mars book, uh, but it was mm-hmm. Red Mars won the Nebula in '94, and then Blue Mars won the Hugo in '97. So it's like. Hugo Nebula, Hugo Nebula. Yeah, so what I'm I'm loving is being able to, I I feel like I've had a really great list of books to recommend to people who enjoyed The Martian, for example. Um, All my non-super sci-fi fans, uh, not fans, friends, you know, (laughs) my friends who are also my fans. Um, The only fans you have are friends. Yes. And they're like, oh, I love The Martian. What should I read next? And I'm like, well... Before it was like, oh, read Seven Eves. Like you will love yeah, Seven Eves sure. if you liked all the science in The Martian. Now I'm like, you know what? I kind of like what's going on in Aurora even better than I liked what happened in in Seven Eves in terms of the hard sci-fi. Um, I think this is a little more. Eh, they're both very compelling, um, um, but I think I'm enjoying this book more than I did Seven Eves. Well, I think what Robinson, the dance that he does that is so good is that. He writes a literary story. Mm-hmm. He gives you characters that you care about all the way through. And I remember this in 2312, even though I haven't finished Aurora, I'm assuming it's going to take me all the way through, uh, but also gets the science right. And I think what, if some people criticize Neil Stevenson, it's that, sure, he gets the science right, mm-hmm. and he shows you how he got yes. the science right. Uh, and, and, and that's fine. I actually enjoy that. I loved the Baroque cycle because he was getting the history right in that same way. And I really enjoyed that. That isn't everybody's taste. I mm-hmm. get that. Uh, and Robinson really provi- provides a very balanced take for people who are like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I want the science to be right, but I'm not interested in finding out every little thing about it. Uh, he's giving you more of that, that character and plot. I feel like sometimes with Stevenson, I get a little taken out of the story because I find myself just feeling like I'm reading a textbook on something he's explaining. And I'm like, oh, you're, I, I get it. You're super smart. You're really, really smart. You did a really great job researching this See, thing and writing the science around it. it. Okay, let's get back to the characters. Let's talk about the people some more. And with, with as you said, I with... I wish my textbooks were all written by Neil Stevenson. That'd be, wouldn't that be great? It'd be amazing. <laughs> I never got my Clang book. I was supposed to get a Clang book from the Kickstarter. And I never got it. Is that because the Kickstarter didn't didn't go through, or did it? I, did it get I funded? Thought it, I thought it did. But did, did but not. they didn't do it. No, they weren't able to do it. Uh, and part of that has to do with him getting pulled into other projects. I want my reward. I had a reward. Extraordinarily important projects. It's too so. late now. Oh, well. Yeah, maybe it didn't fund. Now now I'm forgetting. Anyway, Aurora is really great. I'm enjoying it immensely. I I hope that you guys do, too. It's it's a just a fantastic telling of of this 
voyage and what happens and the characters. And it feels so cool too, because the very beginning you're like, what, what is going on here? Like where, what is this world they're on? And then you realize what's happening and it's super cool. If you're wondering a little bit about like, okay, uh, could you tell me what the story is about? (laughs) Uh, I actually think Cory Doctorow summed it up really well in conveying what you're going to get without spoiling it. Uh, He wrote, The story of a generation ship finally decelerating at the Tau Ceti system after 150 years of travel at 10% of light speed. It's many arcologies, each a miniature Terran biome, ready to terraform a wet moon of a super Jovian planet 12 light years from Seoul. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone on that ship has been... They've only ever known the ship. It's been generations at this point, and that's that's their life. All they know of Earth is these are these biomes that they've taken with them. Yeah, and twelve year old uh, broadcasts. Yeah, <laughs> that, that they get, and a little bit of delay, a little bit of delay on that. Yeah, twelve years bit. delay, little little tough. Can you imagine? Like, what would that mean? Twelve years ago was twenty. Two, was two thousand. when I moved to San Francisco. Yeah. So they would just be getting the first podcasts mm-hmm. ever, ever. Like, like the source code, the Daily Source Code, yeah. at Coverville. <laughs> like, that'd be it. <laughs> wow, podcasting has come so far. Yeah, we we could have gone to Tau Ceti Alpha in the time that podcasting has existed. Nice. All right. Well, yeah, check it out. I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. And that kind of wraps up our our book kickoff for for Aurora by Kim Stanley Robinson. Yeah, if you want more details or or some more of these kinds of details that we're talking about, uh, I do put all of my prep notes uh, beyond what we talk about in the show in our Patreon at patreon.com slash sword and laser. As long as you're pledging a dollar or more, you can go look at it there. Very cool. And uh, hey, so I'm excited just to get you guys buzzing about an upcoming interview. Um, And I want to give you guys some time to listen a little bit to the show that these guys do, just because it's it's so amazing. Um, I don't know how many of you out there, well, I assume a lot of you are Game of Thrones fans, because we talk about the show and the books quite a bit. Uh, There is a show out there called Hardcore Game of Thrones. And if any of you are fans of Hardcore History by Dan Carlin, you are going to freak out about this show because it is amazing. It's a it's a parody of Hardcore, uh, sorry, a parody of Hardcore History, but it's all about Westeros. And yeah, so, Hardcore History by Dan Carlin. Also, you should go subscribe. Yeah, to go subscribe to that, that one of the most beloved podcasts out there. Um, just absolutely phenomenal, and uh, it's it's so this version of hardcore history that's all about Westeros. I mean, they sound just like Dan Carlin, it, to a T, like to the point. The, oh, they have the patter down. <laughs> Like they, they just, were you doing Dan Carlin just then? Cause it kind of sounded like you did. you got your voice got a little gravelly. Veronica, if there is a Veronica (laughs) tells me that I've nailed it, but not as good as those guys. No, they, they, I played it. uh, My friend, Brian Brush, our our mutual friend, Brian Brushwood is a huge fan of Dan Carlin actually introduced me to Dan Carlin Mm -hmm. and I played him one of their episodes and he was just in stitches. He was like, that's amazing. They've got 
his way of talking. So he texted Dan Carlin. Oh, really? He knows him? And was like, have you heard oh, yeah, this? He has. And Dan's like, oh, yeah, it's I, I don't know much. I haven't listened to many of them, but what I've heard is very enjoyable. Yeah, so. yeah. It's uh, it, it's not Dan Carlin sanctioned nor approved, I believe. But no, it is. And they, yeah. they I think he retweeted make it, it. Make it make it clear. I, yeah, I don't know. I didn't There's get no the impression animosity. that he was upset yeah. by no. it. I think these guys are just being very careful to say like, hey, if you don't like what we're doing, please don't blame Dan. Yeah. It's, he has nothing to do with this. So we're going to have them on the show, uh, Alex and Jason on the show uh, on the 24th. And so that interview will go up on the 31st. But if you have questions, if you want to listen ahead to some episodes of, of Hardcore Game of Thrones, it is one of the most definitive retellings of the history of Westeros that I have either heard or read in the past 10 years. Um, it's really quite stunning, the level of detail and effort that they have put into this show. And I mean, my husband, Ryan, who is not a sci-fi fantasy nerd, he loves Game of Thrones, but that's about it. He's obsessed with this show. Uh, so I, I highly recommend it if you want to go back and do some homework before we have them on the show so you can ask some great questions. I really want to blow this one out. I think they are phenomenal. I'm really excited to talk to them. So we'll we'll put a thread in Goodreads and you guys can start dropping in some questions in time for uh, the interview in a couple weeks. And that's the other side of it, isn't it, Veronica? <laughs> It's one thing to get the patter down, but, but then to have the same attention to detail. Attention to detail. And history <laughs> blows your mind. We are not them. We are. We're still not them. We're not doing any uh, of them justice, but you <laughs> should still check no, it out. What we're doing subtly, Veronica, is setting them up so that when they do listen to Hardcore Game of Thrones, they're like, oh, wow, that's how it's done. Yeah, that's really I haven't yeah. fangirled out like this in a while, so I, I highly recommend you guys check it out. <laughs> All right, but that wraps up this episode of The Sword and Laser. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to help support our show, head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. We hit 506 patrons. We hit past 500. I'm so happy. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for your continued support. Every little bit helps. It enables us to plan events and do cool things for the audience and go to cons and interview authors and, and do giveaways and, and all the stuff we're trying to do to make this a, a you know, fulfilling experience beyond just your ear oral pleasure oral oral phrasing are we still doing phrasing phrasing a buck a show it's all we ask uh you can also support the show by buying books through our links find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks and hey Which leave us a little review on itunes let us know what you think of the show just give us five stars just, you don't have to write you don't actually have to write anything that's that's the dirty little secret of itunes <laughs> reviews guys um but if you do write us a review we do see it in slack right away and that's always really fun and exciting for us and it helps other people find the show and it helps us grow so if you want to leave us something nice to say or, or tell us what your i don't know who your favorite Maester on Hardcore Game of Thrones is. Is it is it Maester Martin or is it Maester Weiss and, and Benny? I'll tell you who my favorite Maester is. It's Phil Hutton from the United Kingdom who gave us a five-star review on the UK iTunes store. Oh. Thank you, Phil. Thank you. Cheers, mate. No, damn it, Australia. Cheers, mate. So close. Uh, no, James Corden said cheers, mate, to George Clooney uh, on his show. So I guess, and George, James Corden is English, so there you go. Okay, perfect. Um, Email us, feedback at swordandlaser.com. Head over to the website at swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can always call and leave us a voicemail at 4157-SWORD-6. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.
This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.